I don't care what anybody says. I love him. So do I. You really do, don't you? What? Love Cork. Don't bother trying to deny it. I've seen the way you Please look at him. keep your voice down. Does he know? He doesn't even know I'm a female. You're a woman? Please lower your voice. Please. I knew there was something different about you. But, but I've never met a Ferengi woman before. You probably never will again. Well, hello and welcome to Tarak Noir. My name is Joe and I'm here with my brother Matthew and together we are recapping each episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Rules of Acquisition. The story was written by Hilary J. Bader, the teleplay was written by Ira Stephen Bear, and it was directed by David Livingston. So Matthew, what exactly are you going to do with all those tulaberries? I'm assuming... And listen, this is a throwback. I'm, oh, I'm way past my age. Throwback. I'm way past, but you know, I might do like a midlife crisis party where we make um, space jungle juice, which is I'm assuming okay. what you could, what you could do with those berries. I don't. Yeah, those would probably. Yeah, that would probably be good. If we're talking about a hundred thousand vats, when you say the word vat, I'm assuming that we're not talking about like berries that I want to eat in that way. You know what I'm <laughs> sure. saying? Like. Like, I know about bushels. I know about barrels. Uh, you start talking about that, and I'm, I'm thinking that this thing's coming in those, like, 55-gallon drums. The kind I'm, that killed you know what? or almost Yes, God damn it, I was right about to say ah! it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking that this is something that'll break a Klingon spine if we drop it on them, which to me sounds like it's about drinking. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, I, I think that you're going in the right direction to just like, get fucked up on some space jungle juice. Like, could I make, you know, a fancy compote and and do some, you know, special dessert that's going to wow the chefs or whatever? Like, you know, we could, sure, whatever. But would you rather just get fucking drunk off, off of these things? Just wandering around a promenade on DS9, <laughs> just like stumbling just, into people. Just passed Shut out. Shut up, like Norm! Or Morn. <laughs> it's Morn, right? I said the wrong way. My bad. You said well. You said it the way you know. Is it Norm at the at the bar? You know. The yeah, I mean, bar? It's, I mean, that's Morn why it's is Norm. Norm is yeah. Norm. Norm is Norm. So, like, so they're, it works. they're the same person. Yeah. And if okay. you're if you're gone off of the berries, you know, I'm going to be saying the wrong thing. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, just to give you all a heads up, listening, I, I'm sure you can tell that. Uh, that my voice sounds a little bit off today. I am slightly under the weather and Matthew is tired. So today is going to be either like a super amazing punchy episode or just a slog that we have to get through. So uh, stay tuned. Matthew is tired is such a sad excuse for my poor performance. My, <laughs> poor, my poor performance that's upcoming. That's, uh-huh. that's present. My, yeah. my present poor performance. I mean, like uh, Matthew is tired. <laughs> like this I mean, is some all, sort of like tired. We're always tired. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, I I could run through all the other the reasons that I'm we're tired. Off, like I'm tired. We're not babe. recording on the usual day. We're not recording at the usual time. There's all these different reasons why it's slightly off. I just figured tired was an easier way to say that. Here's the thing, um, you know, you play live music or you do any sort of live thing. Uh-huh. What they always tell you is like, if you're gonna make a mistake, make the mistake. 
and just roll with just it roll because with it. people don't know. Like, I don't know who you think is listening. It's like, hmm, is Joe's timber off? <laughs> <laughs> like, the timber of their mm. voice. <laughs> like, like, people are gonna, like, oh, I'm sure that you noticed from the 15 seconds I've spoken so far. <laughs> I'm, I am under the weather. <laughs> okay, thanks for that, buddy. Listen, um, I'm just saying, like, if we have a speaking of an episode we, we where siblings fuck each it. other over, well, Whoa, more okay. just one way. Uh, oh my god, we're gonna talk about Rom. I am pissed the fuck off at Rom in this episode, and especially since last week, I had like, I had I told you that his, it was his like his his prowess in bed. Um. I didn't explicitly I, say wrong. So for anyone that didn't pick up on that, I said wrong last week. You said wrong talking last week. I did. And here's the okay. thing. Anyways, here's the thing. Yes. Um, as much as we talk about how DS9 is great at building character over yeah. the seasons, they have some of the most egregious retcons of any, like they just hit reset on the wrong character halfway through the series. Uh, they did like, a couple different. Yeah, like, like multiple times, like, hey, what if Rom is a completely different, a completely different person, and then we're For gonna sure. act like the other one never happened? Yeah, like this um, Rom does not exist. Shortly, <laughs> no. So speaking of last week's episode, so I put up a poll on uh, Twitter, um, asking asking folks who they thought is God tier on the station. And I gave the options of Cisco, Bashir, Dax, and Rom. Who do you think got first? Cisco, Bashir, Dax, and Rom. Yeah. Well, if you're putting it this way, is it did Rom? No. I mean, Cisco's God's here. How? Why would you have Rom in there? Is it a joke? That's the joke. No, because of my argument that I laid out on last week's episode. Oh, of the of the sexing. Yeah, so the sexing. Oh, okay. who's God's here? The sexing. Okay, so anyways, so Bashir, all right, Bashir, Dax, Cisco, Dax, and Rom. It's Dax. Yes. But guess who got second? Guess who got second? Was it Rom? My boy Rom. He had 25%. So I'm very happy about that. I, I, I bet you Cisco fucking lays it down. I mean, obviously he does. We like, don't see him fucking votes. much. We don't yeah. see him fucking much. But imagine that voice in your ear. I have. <laughs> I have. It's yes. I mean, in terms that's, of like, that's voice, all I'm saying. like, like I don't even. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even need to know what the rest of his game looks like. I just know that if he's talking, he has that voice and he cooks. Any cooks, Ooh. cooks. Right? He gets down on cooking, and he has that voice. Like that's all you need to know. That's really, well, really all you need to know. You need. <laughs> and he's this also is, this is another like spoiler, Jason. So. This is true. Well, uh, the emissary, I mean, who wouldn't want to... Uh, but this is also giving the head to also spoilers. Okay. But considering what he did to a lover, when that lover comes back and still wants to be a lover... Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Means that, that means that it was yeah. fucking fire. Because I'll tell you what I'm not trying to be if my lover did that to me. And that's a lover. I'm never... Like, I'm not going back to that You're not lover. running back. That is no. that that was pretty rough, and clearly he lays it down in the bed in the in the kitchen and in the bedroom and in any other room in the in the apartment. Clearly, mm. yeah, he starts. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, let's get into this specific episode. Doesn't have much Cisco, but it's okay. We'll get through it. 
Um, the episode summary, Grand Negasek plans to use DS9 as a base for Ferengi business opportunities in the Gamma Quadrant and sees Quark as the man for the job. A newcomer to Quark's is another Ferengi named Pell, who soon, turn, who soon turns out to be a female in disguise. Oops. Dun, 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 apparently. Um, Wait, you said that wrong. What? A female? <laughs> I don't think that I could do that voice right now. Well, neither can I, so it's fine. <laughs> True. Um, there was there was a uh I think it was a line in She-Hulk and the She-Hulk finale of like something. Oh, um this dude goes undercover at like essentially like a men's rights event, and a woman was like trying to like uh pump him up to be able to handle it, and then she's like, just refer to all women as females. That's like the way to go like that's that's how you can blend in it's just refer to all women as females uh and it's true that'll do it that'll do it um so anyways uh speaking of norm and morn uh the episode starts off with odo just like all right get out of here you drunk you know you can't sleep on the promenade you're fucking drunk norman norman it's so bad like it's just, it's A, it's kind of like a rough way to start the episode. Like, A, we get it. It's late at night. Okay. The promenade is shut down. But come on, cop. Why you got to be such a cop about it? Uh, more that's, like, a, that's a very classic westerny type. Oh, yeah. I mean. Like town drunk. I mean, there's a yeah. lot about this episode that is very westerny. And like the aspect of like having to uh, blend in to be able to succeed and get ahead, you know um but norm like his first thing is like okay yeah yeah, yeah i gotta i'll go home and he goes up to quarks and it's like hey you open <laughs> really really rough stuff for morn poor guy it's tough someone should uh, probably talk to him about his drinking problem hey are you, are you good <laughs> are Do you, you need to talk to someone you know i think we you... got space aa around here somewhere like i think you need to talk to someone can um, we help I'm also never clear. They always talk about Santa Hall, and then like we got real stuff, but I'm never clear about whether like you can actually get drunk. I mean, I think that Cork sells the he sells the the good stuff, the real stuff, the real I'm, stuff. Yeah, I'm quite positive he sells the real stuff. But we've seen people get drunk off Santa Hall, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think it's more that you don't get like the hangover stuff, so you can like get fucked up and then be fine the next morning. I think. I don't know. I don't know the full rules. We'll have an investigative report on Sadeo at some point in time. Can someone, can, if someone, <laughs> if someone's listening to this, um, you know, yeah, do do a report for us. Can, and, can you uh, can you, you do know, this? Yeah, report Type back. it into Google is just so hard. It, it's I don't want so to true. Do it. It's 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 too much. Um, anyways, we get one of my favorite uh, favorite aspects of the show and favorite aspects of Dax but Dax is is playing Tonga with the boys you know and cleaning house too like she is just wrecking them with the boys yeah and she is just oh god that's good yeah love it anyways um but yeah she is just like rolling over every single one of them they're like how can you how can this female beat us whatever (laughs) female Um, (laughs) and I (laughs) one of the things that I like about Dax and like we get a scene with her talking to Kira later about like what is it that you like about these Ferengi like Dax has just 
gotten to the point where she's hundreds of years old. She's basically seen everything and everyone. And she's like, you know what? I'm old. I just want to have a good time. You know, like, are these people vile? Yes. Are they fun? Also, yes. And I just want to have a fun time. And I also want to clean house and, you know, kick their ass at Tongo. Like, yeah, that that seems great. You know, not plussed. Not at all. Even when Cork has his hand on her thigh, which is like, buddy. come on, buddy. Come on. Like, come on, buddy. Um, Rom has this weird thing. Like, I know before we start recording, I was like, there's some gender stuff in this episode. But one of the things that is specifically uh, relevant right now is Rom is like suggesting that because she was a man, she used to be a man, she has a strategic or she has an advantage on playing Tongo, which is like almost word for word, literally the argument that people that transphobes have against uh, girls, trans girls playing in and fucking soccer or whatever, you know, um, it's the <laughs> well, you used to be a man. Uh, so therefore you have an advantage and I as a trans person <laughs> that is on hormones I can tell you I have zero advantage at all <laughs> I cannot play a single sports uh I it's there's I just have zero advantage I'm sorry nary, to break this to you but nary a sport nary hey, a uh, sport. I'm, I'm gonna say huh. mm-hmm. didn't need the hormones for that <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the support. <laughs> hey, I used to be able to kick a ball real, real well when I played soccer. So I had those big ass thighs. Thank you very much. Uh, it was right. both feet. Well, one of them. <laughs> but if it worked, <laughs> you know. <laughs> listen, listen right. I don't know. I I just think that that was particularly. It struck. No, me. that was. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially. It's interesting that that was the like 1994 or five argument or whatever. Yeah. Um, And like if I had watched that 15 years ago, I never would have thought. But Mm. it would have been like, okay, I would have been like, that's stupid. You're a man now. You know, like, should, like, how is it an advantage that someone used to be a man if you are a man? You know, that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, do you know what you are? a loser but um but now you know in light of some of these the recent wave of Mm -hmm. uh, trans attacks it definitely hits in a different way yeah my uh my students are actually writing an essay um that is putting two different articles about uh (laughs) anti-trans sports bills and how they affect uh cis women and how they affect black women in particular um so yeah my students are actually writing essays about that right now which is kind of fun. yeah uh the the person the, the teacher the actually <laughs> set it you can set your own uh set your own syllabus and <laughs> in, in assignments it's fun <laughs> but, uh, let's look at you with all the power yeah the power to be like hey read these two articles that's so much power so much advantage that I have as a trans person. Read these two articles. Would, would you say that you're, you're grooming them? Is that okay. That... <laughs> no, we're, we're definitely not going there. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not down with Rom in this episode. Okay. Not a big fan of him. Uh, I think he can go to hell. Rom's but tripping the whole fucking time. The entire fucking time. The entire Later fucking on, time. It's just like, I'll be honest, this major... but right now, 
like all the male like fragility stuff yeah like which again is still still around as it turns out men are still idiots but uh but anyways back to quark and dax like uh yeah she's just nonplus like he's making advances to her and she's just like you know whatever buddy and just rolling with it and it's like there is a certain aspect of where that is enjoyable to watch because it's fun to see dax just fully in control and it's like you know what whatever buddy um don't entirely like the idea of like her having to endure this constant harassment on a regular basis you know it's uh you know gotta do what you gotta do i guess um but anyways we get the first introduction of pell and uh pell introduces this uh gets quark's attention by suggesting a way that quark can increase his business by basically saying hey customers eat all this salty shit that's going to make you want to drink more that's what it is his pretzels are making me thirsty (laughs) exactly (laughs) but um it's interesting because while Quark and Pell are are having this little moment, Dax gives a certain knowing look. And I like the idea of Dax is just like picking up on shit like right away. And like her knowing look is like comes in a lot more, a lot stronger later. But I like the idea of just Dax being like, oh, look at you two homos. I like it. It's cute. (laughs) Uh, But anyways... (laughs) Uh, the Grand Nagus calls, and it turns out the Grand Nagus is coming to the station. Whoa, it's going to be a crazy Ferengi episode. Um, Grand Zek Nagus visits Cisco and Kira in uh, Cisco's office, and I have to, I have to acknowledge that Zek is being incredibly gross, but he and I agree on something in the scene. What do you think it's going to be? Uh. Kara's fit. Kara looks fucking fantastic in the scene. She looks great. <laughs> the hair is working. Uh, you know, her stance is always just like, you know, she got that power stance going. She looks great, you know, and I wouldn't have said that in the particular way that Zek did, but I agree. She does look fantastic. So, so good for, good for Kira in the scene. Um, <clears throat> but basically, you know, Zek is negotiating to use the station to connect negotiations into the Gamma Quadrant. And Cisco does the most basic form of negotiation, and that catches Zek's attention. It's <laughs> oh. like, oh, not bad for a human. It's like, like he, did, he didn't really, Ooh, he didn't really go hard on it, you know, like. I don't know. It's just so, so fucking bizarre. But uh, we do get a great shot of Cisco fondling his ball. So that's nice. I'm happy for you. I'm happy you got that. Appreciate it. Appreciate that very much. Um, But yeah, we get another scene with Quark and Pell, and they're just vibing, right? Like they are just on the same wavelength. They're having a great old time. And uh, one thing I want to point out in the scene, did you notice the silly straw that was in the scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get another silly straw later on in the episode. I could not be more thrilled. (laughs) The idea that we got two different shots of silly straws in this episode thrills me to no end. You know, you don't see a silly straw like you once did. No. I almost, like... If there was a scene where someone was using a silly straw to blow bubbles in a drink, that would have that's the dream right there. Like that would have made <laughs> me so so happy. 
But <laughs> anyways, um, Cork and Pell are vibing, but Ram is feeling left out. And not just feeling left out, but feeling like spiteful. Like he is fucking angry that his brother has courted the attention of some other person. And it's like, Rom, buddy, you've never been Cork's like most important person on the on the, on the station. <laughs> like Cork is always more interested in a thousand different people before he's interested in you. Like, why yes. are you suddenly being threatened by Pell? Like it's so bizarre that Rom is going to the degree that he does in this episode to just be like, fuck Pell. Like, buddy, you weren't getting Cork's attention in the first place. What has changed? Well, you were getting Quark's attention, and, and with it, it was just yell, screaming at you right, and belittling you at all times. Yeah. You're like, wait. And I like that the like this hinges on, like, you know, I am his brother, and I feel slighted, which in, like, season one, didn't he try to kill Quark? It's like, it's just, like, a very yes. interesting relationship dynamics uh, on Franganar between, between siblings. Um, Again, none of this... None of this ever happens in like a season or two from now. It's so bizarre. It is Rom has like he has a season of change, a season of growth in this in this season. Uh he just swings to extreme. I want to know wild. I want to know what the actor had when the actor marched into like the producer's office and was like, yo, you're gonna like give me real stuff to work with. Yeah. Or else what? Like how, like how did Rom end up becoming like a real character who was like a hero character all the time? Yeah, like he contributed significantly to future storylines to the you know the health and well-being of the station. That's crazy. But I don't know. I I'm curious what Max Grodencheck had on Iris Stephen Bear, but clearly had a lot on Iris Stephen Bear. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I received a bear had uh, shared his computer screen to the Zoom or something. Something, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry not to disparage our Stephen Bear. You're great. We love your show. Anyways, um, but uh, we find out that Pell has a secret. And Star Trek does the strangest thing. The show does the strangest thing to be like, hey, guess what? Uh, this character has a secret. And we're going to make sure that you fully are aware of it. So first, she takes off her ears, which it's like, hey, look, men and you know, men and women on Fragonar have different size ears. Okay, but the other thing that she does is she takes off her jacket, and boom, those boobs real... pop the fuck out. Like it's like, it's like you compress like uh, I don't know, like a inflatable ball, and then you let it go, and it's just like boing, it just springs <laughs> out. It's so bizarre. Um, <laughs> this is what uh, I think this is Ira Stephen Bear, but just to quote from the companion, um, the idea of putting, or this is just in the uh, uh, in the text of the companion, the idea of putting breasts on pals, the audience would know she was female, for example, did not originate with the writers. It came from the director Livingston. Okay, there we go. A director has to take what's in the script and then make sure that all of the intentions are realized visually. He says, I asked them to give her breasts because just, just taking off an ear to a human audience doesn't necessarily signal a female. Here's the thing. The actress already had breasts. Like, what is, why do we have to go with this super comically sized 
giant boobs to be like, see, she's a she's a female. Hellcroft Tomb Raider. Like it was really, yeah. <laughs> like it was a lot. <laughs> so they, did, they really did a lot. I also love like, you know, I always complain about um much of our popular culture now treating us like we're fucking baby idiots with the way that like everything's there's no subtext everything's like right in your face and it's all really dumb and they just feed us like childish nostalgia stuff but um you know it turns out that there was never a time that they truly respected your audience not really (laughs) like like he's like uh hey do you think that that adult viewers could pick up that this is that this is actually no what if what if and uh hear me out what if we had a giant titty drop what if we just give her giant bazingas (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it really gave the cartoon like you know like the tongue drop like roll back up eyes pop out like it was ironically ironically this is what transphobes think happen when we take one ounce of hormones like they think that you can take one ounce of hormones and all of a sudden you got giant boobs. Like that's like like just not bean, how it like works. Jack of the Beanstalk's bean. Yeah, it's just that's just not how it works. Anyways, um, yeah. So <laughs> it turns out Star Trek has just never been subtle. Like you know, it's an interesting conversation that is being had right now with uh, Andor. Right? Like someone said, um, I saw some tweet. I think I retweeted it, but it was something to the fact of. Andor is a great show, but not a great Star Wars show. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was a great Star Wars show, but not a great show. And it's interesting where like the the binary is that like... What does that even mean? It, the idea is that Star Wars or Obi-Wan Kenobi was like, hey, it, it got all the, the Star Wars-y things in there, right? Like you see all the lightsabers and you have the force and you have all that stuff, but it also just wasn't a good show versus Andor, which strips away most of the Star Wars um, uh, cliches and the trappings of Star Wars. And it's just like a really, really good show. And it's, you know, great writing, great storytelling and all that. That was more the point that I was making. But it's interesting where the concession is, is that Star Trek or Star Wars in that example is inherently like not great storytelling, which for the most part, like the most part like, live are, yeah. Star Wars storytelling is not always that great from a narrative standpoint. Like there are like- There are two and a half good movies out of nine. <laughs> out of nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so it's an interesting thing, like, you know, as you're talking about with, you know, with modern storytelling, especially when it comes to Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. I don't know. It's not that if something is good, that means it's no longer the thing that it is. But it is interesting that there can be conflicts there. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know what I I'm mean, I, I, I've spent, I, I binge watched all of Discovery and then complained about how like on the nose stuff was and yeah. how they left, they left, um, they didn't show, they, they like, they heard the line about show don't tell and said, yeah. uh, you know, fuck that, like we're, te- yeah. we're telling. And then told it all around the mountain over and over again. <laughs> okay. And I was like upset about that, but like then you got this. Like, but this as is, it turns out, I mean this is different than that, you know, like sure. and it's not I, the same thing, but at the same time, like there is a there is a level to which um, you know, Paul Kinsey's writing this these telephones. Yeah. Um 
we got our Mad Men reference in there. But I, I think what's interesting about Star Trek, and it's interesting one of the reasons that people do love Star Trek, is that, like, the standout episodes of TNG, right? Like, you think of Best of Both Worlds, you think of The Inner Light. Um, you even think of, uh, fuck, I forget the episode title, but the one where uh, Picard has to defend Data's yeah. humanity, right? Uh, and then on DS9, uh, you think of um, in the pale moonlight, you think of the visitor, you even think about uh, duets in the first season, like those are the exceptions, not necessarily the rule. Like I fucking love Star Trek. We do a Star Trek podcast, but in terms of like where episodes are hitting the heights of storytelling, hitting the heights of writing and narrative um, writing and all that, like those aren't every single episode of every single season, you know? And we love the Star Trek that is not always hitting those highs because in a way, like everything else is so great, right? But I think that it's also fair to say that so much of that is just not subtle. Like it's just very much on the nose. And I've said it before, like that's often how I write It's just very much on the nose. So it's I'm definitely inspired by it. Um, I don't know where I'm saying. I'm ready. I think- all right, let me let me let me tag in. Um, it's you this know, damn cold medicine. I'm just like I'm spouting okay. nonsense. Okay, you just got you got to miss the note and then don't change your face, and people might not notice that you missed that note. Thanks, buddy. Keep you're, playing. Because you're the keep musician. Keep playing. Keep playing. Sure. I'm um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's something to be said about the procedural, which is something that sure. like I haven't watched a modern day procedural and I mean like it's been a decade or so too but mm-hmm. since the last time I like watched a procedural like uh, a law and order type a CSI type uh, you know Star Trek like I um, I told you earlier like I was working from home and I just needed something on in the background um, and I've rewatched Mad Men like 18 times and like yeah. all these shows we're doing Star Trek this way, so I can't just like have it on in the background. And I put on X Files, which I didn't really catch the first time around. I got like 10, 15 episodes and maybe a movie or something. But um, is there's just something about like this is a procedural. I know how like you got 42 minutes to tell a story, like from beginning to end. It, you have some like character stuff that's been held over. But for the most part, like, you know what it is. And you can have, and some procedurals are better than others. Like, X-Files is better than it should be. Like, they do certain things that make it better than it should be. Like, I like a Star Trek procedural. But when you're watching a procedural, you're going to have some, you know, special episodes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like, you're looking to get, like, a B- and you're totally happy with it. Because you're not looking. Yeah, you're not looking for an A. You're just looking to have like a pleasant time with your buddies. And so in the, when that's the case and they do stuff like this, it's like you roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, whatever. For me with like Discovery, it was they, because it wasn't procedural, they didn't mm-hmm. do the rap of the story. They made everything feel like, and they also like made everything feel like important. Like we're sending this message all the time that when it was like not subtle, it was just kind of annoying. It's like, like, oh wow, you know. Yeah, because there wasn't room for like, episodes like this. You're tra- yeah, like where it's just like, you know, whatever. And this episode, 
they're trying to do a thing, you know, like, yeah, they are, you know, they're definitely trying to send a message about, um, you know, this is a, a very classic, like third wave feminism, like type thing of, you know, we can, we can do this job as well as the man could, you know, we're just yeah. smart. Like that type, that type of thing. Which we is we like, can, uh, we can excel <laughs> at ca- capitalism as much as the men can. <laughs> you know, it really is the like, why shouldn't there be a woman uh, CEO at Raytheon type episode, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, they, like they're just doing like a little thing. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. We, I read a, uh, Angela Davis essay, uh, in class last week that was like critiquing that perspective. Anyways. Um, I, I, I definitely don't want to leave the impression that I don't like Star Trek or I don't like episodes like this. You I think that don't worry everyone no I just want to say you wear you, know, you wear a Star Trek pin I do I quite often Multiple. on a daily basis I'm wearing a Star Trek pin um but yeah I mean I think that pound for pound right like the average like the average grade of Star Trek series are usually like you know yeah like as you said like B like that's like usually the average grade um and I love it. A seven point one or whatever, you know. Sure. Um, <laughs> I love the lows. I love the highs, and I love every everything in between. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely fun to look, especially look back at a '90s series and be like, "Oof, just not subtle whatsoever." But um, but it's okay. We're we're along for the ride. Uh, you know, speaking of '90s, actually, I think this Ooh. was more like an '80s thing, but. <clears throat> When Quark and Pell are negotiating uh, with with the Gamma Quadrant species, did you get like intense Biff Tannen vibes from the, the <laughs> big dude? Sure. Okay. I mean, he definitely is like it's supposed to look like an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of guy, but like just the jawline just like felt Biff Tannen-y. If Biff Tannen spent more time working out, Biff always seemed to me. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit more of a, um, a little bit more of a beef and potatoes eater. Um, <laughs> yeah, who maybe like who got his, his gains like in a more natural way. Like he was actually throwing weight weight around as opposed to, you know, just living in the or gym. fertilizer, if you will. <laughs> fertilizer, if you will. Yeah, like uh, I don't see biff's jawline being quite that tight it's it's um, not it just reminded me of biff tannin that's all um I, I appreciate that either way the guy looks great uh super muscled out congrats to him um but his companion says one of the best lines in the episode where they're realizing that they really should be speaking with uh zek instead of quirk then why do you bother talking to this insignificance that is brutal <laughs> That is just so rough. Uh, was was it in Star Trek where someone said this insignificant, or was that was that Home Alone? I don't that's Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, incompetent. Insignificant. Incompetent. Yeah, that was Home Alone. Le incompetent. Le incompetent. Um, there was like John Candy was treating trending on Twitter the other day, and it's like John Candy is just so great at Home Alone. Like, I don't know, he was just so much Incredible. fun, just like 
just oh just the nicest polka player on the planet uh polka 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 <laughs> you know the hits uh anyways um i, I also love and this is you know obviously that we're, we're past it but i love that it was just uh like he's buddies with john hughes and he's like hey can you come by like that whole thing that he filmed day. it in a day yeah. and he didn't have any lines written down it was just like no it's just doing hey, his thing hey we're gonna get you in front of the camera why don't you go ahead and cook yeah I, I, like but also i have to imagine that it also made it easier when you're with Catherine o'hara who is a noted improviser and like yeah absolute genius so you put Catherine o'hara and john candy it's like okay yeah we're good we're solid like <laughs> yeah. this is this is going to be solid material i think we'll be okay someone yeah. so yeah someone from the studio is like over there fretting and john who's like yo chill out grab the like, seat just watch yeah we'll two fun. of the best improvisers that that are in the game right now you know yeah, we're gonna spend uh, five minutes in this in this Christmas movie talking about polka, and it's exactly. and you're gonna want it, and it's gonna be a memorable <laughs> part of the movie. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, uh, in that scene, even though we have Biff Tannen like threatening Quark, Hell stirs of Neil. St- stirs of Neil. <laughs> Hold on, let me try to say that again. <laughs> let me try to say that again. Hell, nerves of steel. <laughs> Sturms of Neil. <laughs> is it or are you are you on massive doses of medical right now? Is that's that what it is? Young Neil's nickname. <laughs> Sturms of Neil. Sneal. Uh no, I, I took Nike. Pell was kind of Pell was kind of fucking up at the beginning of that thing. Kept piping in when like yeah yo, she got it she got her yo, she got it going the, now you're a junior bender you gotta you gotta chill out for a little bit a little feisty that one okay <laughs> but uh, she pulled it together Quark you know. also was uh, was kind of shook in a way that he didn't need to be no he he was he was rough he was off his game for I mean, sure. like it's not like it's not like Quark is unfamiliar with having his life threatened. You know what I mean? It literally happens in like, like every three fifty percent episodes. You know what does get an A rating is the amount of times that Quark gets his life threatened. Like that, the rating of that, like the percentage of that per season is always like off the charts. Um, but speaking of game, uh, let's talk about Zex game. So Zex sends his manservant uh, up to Ops to give Kira this gift. That dude is tall as fuck. Like he was hitting the ceiling of the of the turbo lift. I I hate that they stole this whole thing off of Laxwana. Not Laxwana, but like I don't even know who what her manservant's name is, but yeah. He got his whole style bit off. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh it's it's really bizarre that Star Trek is like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna quarter the market on extremely tall man slaves in our shows. Um, this actually, this episode was originally going to be a TNG episode. Speaking of, um, it was originally pitched as a TNG episode, and Riker was going to get into a relationship with Pell, of course. Riker would not have been afraid. No, he would have been like, Oh, you're a guy? Okay, cool. Oh, you're a woman? Okay, cool. Let's go. Like, either it's way, it's all fine. good to me, um, baby. <laughs> and it would have been Crusher that, uh, in the place yeah. clutching her pearls. Yeah, like that's, that would have been the place it would have it should have been Deanna. Like it definitely should have been Deanna and not Crusher. Crusher would have been 
you know, I'm sure we all know how that would have super, super awesome and super affirming of trans people. But Crusher, very conservative when it comes to uh, queer relationships. Just saying. Um, well, yeah. Hey, she she had an opportunity to be in one, but she was like, no oh, one. No, I mean, like she was the suburban mom of Star of Star Trek. It made sense. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so in that scene, uh, Zach's gift is given to Kira and she's just not vibing with it. Right. So we get a scene where Dax and Kira are talking about the Ferengi and, you know, Kira is so confused and so frustrated. Like, why would you why would you want to be friends with these Ferengi? They're disgusting. Like she literally says they're greedy, misogynistic untrustworthy little trolls and i wouldn't turn my back on one of them for a second and then dax replies neither would i but once you accept that you'll find that they can be a lot of fun so this was an interesting little little moment that we have here what do you what did you make of it this i thought was the most interesting thing that they did in the whole episode and that's just because you know there could have been some interesting stuff with sexuality that they didn't really go into like i said like they they basically just did a like women can be like we women can be smart too thing and like you know you're oppressive like you're you're, especially when you consider um some of like the racial codes of the frankie that they get sure oftentimes like it was kind of a pointing at that which is like, it's all fine. That's fine. It's, but it's just like, hey, women are as smart as men. Like, yep, totally agree. You know, like, it's not, we're not breaking new ground here. The interesting thing was this conversation. And, uh, you know, it was it was about, like, two different responses to the toxic guy. You know, yeah. like kira is responding like you know this guy's toxic and kira's being painted out to be following up on melora who was painted out to be like the um annoying woman who wouldn't like stuffy who like needed to just like relax like here kira is the stuffy woman who just needs to relax Mm -hmm. like yeah they're like touching you and stuff and they're doing this they're doing that but like just they're fun though but just yeah. roll with it, you know. Like, why are you being such a a downer? Or like, why are you killing the vibe of the party? Like, I'm just here to have a good time. Like, you could you could just roll with it. Like, and so there's the aspect of like, it's hard to say whether she's saying that message, mm-hmm. which is I think maybe not a helpful one. <laughs> no, or the like hey, I know what they're doing, but I know what I'm doing. Which sort of the, like, the, um, like, I understand that, they, that they're looking at me as this object in this way, but I can, mm-hmm. I, since I know that, I can use it to my advantage. Yeah. And I, I don't know, know if that's the way that she's going with it. Because, like, that's sort of, like, um, like if you watched like the movie Hustlers with JLo, like that's that movie where they're like, yeah, these men are all fucking gross, but you know what? Like, and you know, but I'm hot as shit, and I can like, like I can take their grossness and just rip them all off. Okay, I still haven't you know, seen like, that movie. Oh, that's that's really good. 
Um, not just because of JLo, but <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> if you want to talk about Kira this episode, uh, you should watch Hustlers. Sure. But, um, <laughs> I believe that. I've, I've seen photos. But yeah, like, I don't know. This is the thing that, like, and they don't really get into it much more. No. Kira, Kira does return something like, like, I don't know what what Dax is thinking, like Dax is tripping. Yeah. But you also see Dax like back with them and she's in total control the way that Dax always is. Where like even when like he put his hand on her thigh and she's just like she she took control of that situation where like instead of being like, oh my God, like blah blah blah, like freaking out, she's just like keeping her cool and be like, yeah, you're gonna need to not do that. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so we'll like she's trying to hold the power in the room. It's just like like I said, these are undeveloped things that are just kind of like dropped in that I think are more interesting when you try if you want to discuss like the way that power can move within even like a single conversation, like where it stays, how to grab it. You yeah. know, like it starts with the with men because of a patriarchal society, like these are misogynistic people, but you can reclaim it. Like, I don't know. Like you said, these are all undeveloped in the episode and they're undeveloped with me. No, for sure. Um, they're just interesting, like, angles. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely love talking about power, power dynamics in general. I think <clears> that <throat> your point about this episode where it is contrasting the approaches between Dax and Kira, it is really, like, on the one hand, it is underdeveloped, but also on the other hand, I think that it is uh, suggesting that Dax's approach is the correct one. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, men are gross, but uh, we're fun too, and you should just put up with us putting our hands on your leg or whatever. Like, it's, like this is just the way that it works. Like, it, yeah. there, this very much feels like the um, pre-Harvey Weinstein going down Hollywood. Yeah, what which... I mean, this was the '90s, so like you know, Harvey Weinstein was you know definitely uh, not in his peak, heyday. but he was pe- he was peaking for sure. He was definitely in his heyday. Um, it is. Why are you being such a weirdo? Would, like you're going to HR, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. Why would you do that? Like you're gonna really like you're gonna really get this guy in trouble. Like he's just a yeah, he is just a little troll. Why don't you just deal with it? Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna guess like not that. Ira Stephen Bear or anyone on the production has to have me as their defender. I'm going to guess that the majority of the people are like, yeah, I don't fully support those beliefs anymore. I would bet you that there are still some men that worked on this uh, this show that still are like, yeah, no, that's the correct way to doing things. Um, Listen, but... I don't think that women should be treated this way. <laughs> I don't think I just I'm afraid of things going too far in the other direction. Exactly. The way that the way that they uh, uh the way that they handle that shit. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's bizarre. Anyways, um I think that's I think we said our piece. Uh oops, I cut out there for a second. But anyways, I think we said our piece about that. Um we speaking of Dax playing with the boys, we get another scene with her playing with the boys, uh playing Tonga with the boys. Uh and then Zach is Zach is involved as well, right? And it's interesting because, you know, Dax beats him and Zach is like, uh, no, I meant this other thing. So he's, you know, <laughs> not just are the Ferengi being gross misogynist or and whatever, whatever, but he's also lying. And Quark and everyone are like backing him up. Like, yes, that is, that is true. You, you, you didn't lose. No. 
the amount of like groveling that Cork does in this episode is it's it's wild. I um, I thought um, when I was watching it that that was the second most interesting thing. The way that Cork reacts. The way the way that they the way that they present capitalism as like regardless of your status like we talked to the other day about like mm-hmm. how how wealthy is Cork regardless mm-hmm. of your status you're going to be groveling to the person above you yeah. you know and yeah. you're going to, and you're also going to be exploiting the person below you even if it's your brother like it doesn't matter like you're going to yeah. go ahead and do that but when it so you're going to be exploiting the people below you and you're the big boss you're the smart guy blah 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 but when when the bigger money comes around you're out here like Oh, let me give you like you know dung beetles to eat. You know, let me, you know, like I'm sorry it took so long. Let me let me cover up your stuff. Like, you know, like why is Quark lying for this guy? Like, we're yeah. all we're all lying for all these like big corporations. Like they say a thing that's obviously untrue, and we just repeat that shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like oh yeah, green energy. Like yeah, that makes sense. Oh oh, Chevron's is going to be the leader of. Uh, mm you know bringing green energy yeah sure that sounds great you know like like we we all do that thing and i think i thought that that was um the groveling nature of ferengi i thought was like a really interesting and astute uh critique yeah it was and i think your point about that especially the the um the domino effect of that mistreatment like i had my notes like grand negus is the worst boss ever and then i'm like no, he's just like any boss. Like that's just he's being a boss. And then, of course, as you said, like Quark just turned around and did the same thing, um, and does the same thing to Rom and all the other people on his staff. And it's just this cycle that is inherent to the system, and uh, it sucks. You know, it's like there is an aspect where it's like clearly we can be like, yes, obviously Magus is um, is being a shitty boss, but it's also you know don't take your eye away from Quark. Like he's being shitty too. So uh it was that scene was definitely interesting and i think that you were right to to point it out but yeah so apart from the whole issue with the nagas and cork both being bad bosses um we get more of cork and pell vibing and at this point i think it's pretty safe to say like the attraction is there right um like it's definitely clear from pell's perspective from pell to cork but cork is starting to become attracted to pell and Dax picks up on it. You know, Dax sees what is what is happening. And so she runs into Pell in the in the replimat having having a meal. And <laughs> she does what I the first thing that came to my mind is she pulled a legally blonde move to get Pell to <laughs> say that she loves him. And it's the the scene in Legally Blonde where she realizes that the uh, one of the expert witnesses, is gay <laughs> and she uh she says like a bunch of rapid fire or you know Reese Witherspoon says a bunch of rapid fire questions uh to get the witness to to acknowledge who his boyfriend what his boyfriend's name is proving that he's gay and that's essentially what she does uh what Dax does here and uh and Pell says that uh you know that I love him and what's great about Wait, what scene, no what <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. What, 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 what did I say? Hey, what? Oh. But what I love about this scene is that Dax is super excited that this guy is in love with Quark, and it's like, oh, it's, you know, does he know? And Pell's like, he doesn't even know I'm a woman. And she's like, you're a woman, and it's that 
she immediately is like, oh, you two gay guys are, you know, are, are in love. That's super cute. Oh, you're a woman? Okay, cool. That's cute too, you know? I love the instantly supportive Dax of like whatever situation you got going on, she's she supports it, you know? Yeah. Um, she earned her ally cookies in more ways than one in that in that in that whole scene. But it was a lot of fun. I, I really, really enjoyed that scene. Uh Dax likes to she likes she likes a little hot goss. Oh yeah. I mean, again, you're 300 years, 350, 350 years old or whatever. Like, Goss is, uh, hot Goss is universal. That's timeless, you know? Like, if I live to 350, like, sure. I'd get down for some hot Goss. Um, but it was, uh, you know, the secret's out. Pell has told someone else that she's a woman. And uh, the stakes are raised for Pell. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't come out that she's a woman, right? That would really, really 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 suck for her but um we get quirk and pell saying hey the negotiations have gone off the rail because zek continues to increase the stakes is like uh start off with ten thousand vats nope actually i want a hundred thousand vats instead meanwhile he's just sitting there drinking from his silly straw with just a silly old man this man is just a silly old man crazy uh indeed as much as I really hate that voice. Oh my yeah. god. I hate for the episode so much. I know you do. But you know, the Grand yeah. Nagus, he's a comrade. Yeah. Um the actor, the actor that is. The actor, the actor, the actor. Yeah, actor's a comrade. I was like, you know he's a comrade just from the silly straw? <laughs> no, I, I know he's not is a comrade from the uh Haymarket books videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, so anyways, um, Quirk and Quirk has the idea, you know, or actually, I, don't, I think it might have been Pell. But either way, they have the idea to go into the go into the Gamma Quadrant, and they won't come back until they have a deal, right? So they right. borrow Zex's ship, and uh, on the ship, they have a shipping moment where Quirk is like, he's all in on Pell, right? He is just like, I'm definitely, he's definitely attracted. Which, you know, we haven't really talked too much about his sexuality other than he's just like perving on women like left and right right but we get yeah. we get a bisexual moment from him like this is this episode is very much quirk is bisexual i'm gonna say uh you know how people say like the stupid shit like i'm a like what, what do they call it the something sapiens what people are like I'm into people's oh, intelligence. Sapio-sapien or whatever? Sapio-sapien. 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 and I'm this and that. But, like, Quirk legitimately is attracted to money overall. So the fact that this <laughs> is, like, this is a business mind. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, Quirk, for as shallow and misogynistic and gross as he is, is really attracted to this big brain for business. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I like, think that I'm, like for sure, like the but like the the and like and that supersedes whatever like sexual like binaries or boundaries that he has for himself. He's just like, you know, this person's super loyal to me, makes me feel good all the time. Yeah, and uh, it was helping me make money. I'm mean, like, what's what's not to like here? Well, I think what's interesting is like we're seeing a level of attraction that Quark just hasn't expressed before. You know, it's it's this thing where it's like 
this is someone who he resonates with on so many different levels. And it's like, there's almost an opportunity for um, partnership, you know, not just in like the business standpoint, right? But like someone who is like, you know, someone that could be your real partner in life and in every aspect of that, you know, versus any time where he's just like, ah, that woman's hot or, you know, let me put my hand on Dax's leg or whatever, right? Like that's just so much very carnal, sexual, right? Um, and unserious. That, that is the thing serious. that that Dax said to uh, to Kira that I've said before, which is that well, they're just putting shots up, you know what I mean? They're not trying to hit on all of them, but they're like, you're never going to make your shot you don't take, so you might as well just throw it up. <laughs> I, I saw that on the subway platform the other night. Like, this guy was, he tried. Um, the Of course, the danger is, of course, when men can't take no for an answer, and then they start getting violent. That's or the, that's Or they think... Or they think that like um, they're entitled. Sex, that sexual assault is just shooting a shot. Like, exactly. like putting putting your hand on a woman's thigh isn't shooting your shot. You know, no, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that that is that is yeah that is shooting assault. Is <laughs> that's an <laughs> invasion of privacy, which we will get to because Rom does a does a little old invasion of privacy later in the episode, but. Um, Speaking of Rom, there's this moment where Odo and Rom are talking about the roots of uh, of why Rom is upset. It's like, he's my brother, you know, and uh, how dare hell take my brother away from me or whatever, which is, okay, calm down, buddy. But Odo has this line, I don't have a brother, not that I know of anyways. It was just a weird, like... The subtext is just that Odo clearly misses Quark. Like, that's the idea. And, like, Odo is realizing that he has this familial connection to Quark that he doesn't entirely want to acknowledge. I mean, that's that's what it came off as, you know? Um, but I don't know. It's just that scene was just slightly off, you know? And it was like, you know, Odo was like, I wouldn't let anyone come between me and my brother or whatever. And Ram is like, you know what? You're right. So I'm just going to, you know, storm into Pell's quarters and just turn their room upside down. And that was, that was the takeaway from his conversation with Odo? <laughs> what? Right. I know. No, it's just so bizarre. I don't understand. Like, oh, you're right. I do have a brother and I shouldn't let anyone come between me and my brother. What is it's that sister sister song from I don't know I don't remember it's like ah what a is lot that? these are we got a lot of uh, a lot of dudes confused with what to do about their feelings in this episode truly that is that is actually very true but um anyways Ram is bizarre very very invasion of privacy not a big fan uh, don't support that whatsoever um, Quark. In the in the Gamma Quadrant, where he's hanging up with the Dosai in their homeworld or whatever, uh, attempts aggressive negotiations, um, barring that line from Star Wars. Uh, it actually kind of works for him, you know. Like, hey, I'm going to knock off your your bottle of, or your bucket of ale, uh, and I'm going to force you to deal with me, and I'm not going to go anywhere. Unless uh, unless I get a deal. And they're like, okay, well, you can sit and wait because that's not happening anytime soon. 
Um, so while Quark attempts aggressive negotiations, Pell attempts romantic negotiations. Oh, ill-advised move. Ill-advised move. I understand that he like Quark is clearly into it. I feel like Pell making the move in that moment was that's why I said Pell is uh Pell's a little too too antsy with it. Like in the, in both negotiations, Pell needs to like <laughs> just like just chill. Yeah, take it take it back a couple notches. Right. Yeah. Um, the Dosi is not like uh, their uh, her reaction is not like how dare you two men get together. It's more like oh, I mean, if y'all have more important things to do, then go ahead. Uh, clearly, you don't care about business. You just care about fucking. So that's fine like the objection is not about that it's two men fucking it's the objection is that you're putting sex ahead of business like what the hell the the objection is you're wasting my motherfucking time (laughs) exactly um (laughs) like i do you you realize like i walked all the way over here right right like you're not gonna come on like whatever yeah um (laughs) but uh they're great Hmm? they're great aliens because they fit in the star trek um like thing of hey this alien's just a human but with paint oh no uh you want to know what the inspiration for that paint is by the way it's not great it's not great i'm sure it has to do with some indigenous people somewhere maybe um so yes so speaking of livingston the guy that was like you know what this woman needs big boobs um (laughs) he says uh he was the one who decided to put bright red face makeup inspired by a book of african tribal facial paintings on the gamma quadrant aliens yep yep that's that's the one um but anyways uh so we get our first mention of the dominion that if you want to do business in the gamma quadrant you have to go to the dominion um hey folks if you have not watched the rest of ds9 pay attention to that word because it's going to come up a lot it's it's the defining uh dynamic of the show is how starfleet uh interacts with the dominion so stay tuned this is also the very last time that you hear of the dominion as a trade consortium like this is this is where like tony gilroy would have made that show the show (laughs) of like here's the here's the like uh the jimadar are just like enacting this stuff but yeah. This is what you know, you know, Wayne's out there like managing eight portfolios, you know, it's, like it's one of my one of my favorite aspects of listening to uh to another podcast right now about Lord of the Rings on uh the ringer is they constantly refer to George R. R. Martin's question of but what was Aragorn's tax policy? And that was essentially what inspired him to make Game of Thrones. Like that's the equivalent right. with Tony Gilroy of like, well, what's the Dominion's uh, approach to trade negotiations? <laughs> Ironically, that's Obviously. what we get. What we get. That's what we got with the prequel, uh, the prequel movies in Star Wars, and everyone hated that. But it's partially, well, partially, it's, it's all I mean, in the execution. The execution. Partially, it's yeah. all in the execution. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, between George Lucas and. Uh, and Tony Girl. I think that Tony Girl has a little bit more of a a writerly advantage. You can make it um, feel like C-SPAN or you can make it feel like something that you want to yeah. watch. Like my favorite my favorite thing in The Mandalorian was when, uh, was it Bill Hader? Was he one of the 
stormtrooper when the couple stormtroopers oh, no, were on there. Taika Waititi and Jason or not uh, Olivia Wilde's old wife or husband. Jason, yeah, Jason Sudeikis. Listen, um, I feel I don't take sides of these celebrity things. Sure. Um, I feel like it was made. It was portrayed at the very beginning to make Olivia Wilde seem like a like the sympathetic uh, person. I don't feel that way anymore. I um, honestly, I I don't think that either of them have a like stand on like the surfing papers during an like during a interview presentation thing. She no, but she made that happen. Be hilarious. He didn't know that that was what was going down. Oh really? Yeah. Apparently, like they had been trying to serve papers for forever, Mm. and she kept like ditching doing that whole thing. Yeah, and I think that. There are allegations on the internet, which again, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying to be true. I don't care. I don't, I really try to stay out of the celebrity shit as much as possible. No interest. And I, no interest, no interest. (laughs) But um, yeah, it seems like she may have orchestrated that in order to get more publicity to her thing. Well, she got publicity to her thing. There's, there were several orchestrated things to get publicity to her thing. Which I heard was not very good. Uh, that's that is that is the scuttlebutt, uh, indeed. Anyways, also um, just, I can't the the Olivia Wilde Michael Moore like like protest videos. That is hilarious. One of the funniest. Truly like, hilarious. That's gonna, I I appreciate that she gave us she gave me thirteen at a time that I needed her on house. Yes, and uh, yeah. now this. So it's, she's all good with me. It's like the but weird anyways, thing about Mark Ruffalo in that thing is like. I know he's a goofy liberal, you know, and it's like a bummer that he's in that video, but also it's kind of consistent based on who he is. Sure. But anyways, it's it's also no. not like bad. He's just a goofy liberal. But yeah, what I was going to say is that, um, that, yeah, my favorite part in The Mandalorian was when they oh, were right. like, just like talking shit like regular, like grunts yeah. employees would. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that Dominion show. <laughs> yeah that'd be great uh god doing my write-up for this episode of like summarizing what we talk about in this episode is going to be wild uh so you should just say i'm sick right exactly just i'm sorry i'm, I'm sick. sick and matthew is tired matthew's tired i'm sorry and you're sorry um but anyway so we we get the first mention of the dominion as we've talked about for the past 10 minutes um and quark is like all right I, I think that I know a better angle on this. And so they they go back and Pell is trying, they go back to the station and Pell is trying to talk to Cork about it. And Cork is basically like, uh, it's not gay if we don't acknowledge it. So I'm just not going to acknowledge what you did. Uh, we're just not going to talk about it. Okay. I think that's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not gay if the balls don't touch, that kind of thing. Uh, I had not heard that one. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, I feel like you could do. I feel like you could do a whole heck of a lot without the balls touching. Exactly. That is, in fact, the point. Um, mm. <laughs> what if people thought that gay sex is just when the balls touch? Like that. Like <laughs> that's the entirety of gay sex is just the balls. Well, it's like how all like it's like how Christian couples end up just having like anal. A year of anal <laughs> because they're like it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, there was a great uh like parody song 
about like staying true to your virginity by doing anal it was hilarious that was like popular a decade or so ago i loved uh like earlier in the year when it was like um that scene out of byu about how people were like humping in in all these different ways like whether like you would get onto the bed and you just like fall down or something like (laughs) and all these like you know what i'm saying like like you just like okay so we're gonna lay here and then someone's just gonna do this and it's these just extreme ways of can can i please get my genitals touched without breaking god's law (laughs) it's the laziest most boring version of frauding it's it's bad um anyways uh back at the station cork excitedly tells zach um about this information it's like you wanted more than just the tool berries right and zach is like yes you figured it out um and rom the entire time that zach and cork are having this incredibly important conversation he was like you know cork was on the verge of not dying but being uh you know having to be stuck in this bar for the rest of his life because zach was going to fuck him over if he didn't get this deal you know completed and rom the entire time was like hey hey can i talk to you hey hey can i talk to you hey hey can i talk to you are you done yet are you done yet are you done yet like the most and i'm saying this as a younger sibling the most annoying younger sibling shit that i've ever seen in my life just super annoying it's like honestly it's so bad like when we were young when our parents were like uh don't be like hey mom can i ask you a question hey mom can i ask you a question it's just like put your hand on our shoulder and stay quietly and don't keep bugging <laughs> us we'll get to you when we get to you just stay quiet put your hand on our shoulder we we know that you're there finally cork is like all right what a, what is it that you want to fucking tell me and uh it turns out he wants to tell rom wants to tell cork that pell is in fact a woman a female there we go i, I tried it. i got it in there uh, um, passes out. He's like, I mean, this entire time that I was attracted to a man, she was actually a woman. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't handle it. Which actually, honestly, is some of the ways that gay men sometimes feel about women. Uh, sometimes when Weird. they realize, yeah, anyways, uh, sometimes gay men can be transphobic and misogynist. I'll just say that. Just saying. Um, turns out, didn't hear it from me, folks. <laughs> Uh, turns out men in general have the cis men have the general capacity of being misogynist and transphobic regardless uh, of their own sexuality. But Cork convinces Rom to not tell anyone, right? Because it it would, you know, it would ruin Cork. And of course, Cork would then ruin Rom. <laughs> you know, it's just just not a good deal. Um, Cork talks to Pell, and it's like, here's some Latinum, get out of town, Buster. Um, just get out of town. I'm not gonna tell anyone, just leave and let's let's be done with it. It's really sad because Cork is just throwing away a good thing, you know. Like he clearly had feelings for Pell, and he clearly would be with Pell if Pell was a man, you know. It's such a bummer that that's, you know, that's what happened. Like, it makes sense in the in the story, and it makes sense based on what his motivations are. But it's also sad, like, right, you know, if, you know, in a romance story, you want the guy to get the girl, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
it turns out that uh, our patriarchal systems of sexuality and masculinity and all these things are bad for men too yeah that's what turns out um but so cork has a meeting with zach and pell barges in pell initially agreed to just stay away but pell barges in and like i said pell's always doing a lot she pell she kind of is, is she has got to be like a 20 year old or something <laughs> like, this is some very young it person is young energy love. It who, is like, young love. Yeah. you know like she ended up like at the very end of the episode making her first adult decision which was to take the money mm-hmm. you know but like i remember being in my early 20s and and being about the well but this is what's right you know like i'll barge into this room and talk, let me talk to the president of the company and say you know yeah speak on behalf of whomever and it's like yeah, but yeah, baby girl, that's not how the world works. I don't know. Yeah. How, I'm sorry. You could have gotten a payout from this. You're <laughs> but, not going to change anything. Now you're going to stay broke. Yeah, there's some <laughs> real gender trans panic of like, you were a woman the entire time. How could you deceive me and betray me and blah, 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 blah. Um, which incidentally is what happens to a lot of trans women and it causes a lot of trans, not causes, but is often the reason why a lot of trans women end up getting murdered because the man has a trans panic, uh, not knowing that she was assigned birth, uh, male at birth, which as it turns out is also a very uh, successful legal strategy, the trans panic legal strategy. Anyways, just throw that out there. As it turns out, it's not as great for trans people as, <laughs> as people think it is. Well, that's um, one of the funny things. Like we've talked about, uh, you know, potentially moving to different countries around the world. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, you you take a look at the like how friendly are people to to LGBTQ people, and and I'm, I'm always like, uh, it's not great where we presently live. <laughs> Well, what's what's really interesting is actually that it seems like America is better for non-binary people um, than other countries around the world, because a lot of other countries, particularly in Europe, are very much like binary focused. It's like, um, oh, if you're trans, okay, cool. We will pay for you to get all the surgeries you want, but you better present super fucking binary. Like if you're saying that you're right. a trans femme, you better get the get the boobs that Pell has, you know, like you better look like a fucking woman. Okay. Uh if you're a trans man, trans mask, you better look like a fucking man. Any of this middle ground, non-binary shit, we're not having it. We'll pay for everything, but you better look the way that we want you to look. It's really uh-huh. bizarre. I think uh, a longer discussion, it's not for here. I think that it makes sense based on um, how tightly ordered like Western and uh, like, especially coming out of European yeah. life, everything needs to be like, like it's, right. it's hierarchically ordered, but it also like everything has to fit perfectly, you know? For and sure. So and, and it-, it makes sense that they're like, listen it's cool like like just like you see on television like even when they have um like gay couples on tv or these odd couples there's always it's always one person is like traditionally masked one person is traditionally femme like like you can the progressive side of it is 
you, you can do whatever shit you want to do that's not our business but it has to like it has to end in these like buckets that are already set out oh yeah i mean i i i agree that it does like it adds up right it's not great but it does add up you know the math yeah. the math mats um but and i mean hell even with a whole marriage equality fight in america like it was always like super like middle like all the the couples that were always put up for like hey this is you know we're just gays trying to get married and have a life and all that we're the most like generic vanilla usually vanilla um looking couples (laughs) ever like right it's not you know and not to mention that the gay rights movement was like, hey, we got marriage. Okay, bye trans people. Good luck. Anyways, <sighs> um, <clears throat> but <laughs> this episode, uh, it ends with Zek trying to fuck over Quark, being like, uh, hey, stupidity is no excuse just because you didn't know that she was a woman. And Quark turns it around and is like, hey, we can accuse you of the same thing, buddy. Stupidity is no excuse that your entry to the gamma quadrant was because of a woman. So they they draw you know they 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 have a draw they have a stalemate but there's two sides to that coin when he walks out it was a de niro pacino diner scene right (laughs) when he walks out uh when zek walks out he just like he turns to pell and goes shame on you and for whatever reason like the way that he says it like super sad and like almost like mournful that has stuck in my brain for my entire life just shame on you like it is it's hilarious i don't know why but that's just hilarious um he and pal have a moment they they kiss uh i question i question cork's prowess in bed because he looks like he's trying to swallow her mouth it was the uh that's the double dubber it for real like it was very very bizarre like i i insane Um, i'm gonna say that there might also be an issue with um the prosthetics if you're an actor and you've got like 18 pounds of like oh, shit sure. on your face, you just feel like, listen, I can't see what's down there. I'm going to hope it's a mouth. I'm right. going to open my mouth wide enough to like, if there's a mouth there, I'm going to hit it. Yeah. The reality that the two actors didn't act, most likely didn't actually kiss because the prosthetics out of the way. It was like a 1950s movie where they're just like smashing their faces against each other exactly turning to the side so you can't actually see the faces uh yeah yeah um but yeah so then dax uh kind of calls him out and quirk at the end it's like no i'm i'm okay i'll I'll be okay and dax kind of calls him out on it and yeah we just end on sad boy quark uh missing out on the love of his life and uh that was not the love of his life that was a that was that she was 20 years old. That would have been a couple months and they would have hated each other after. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, they would, have made, for, like, they would have had some, they would have made some good money though. They would have in their time together, have, they would have made some good they money. They would have made some good money. One of them, they would have cheated each other and like both ended up with nothing at the end. <laughs> I'm just saying like, uh, outside of like, you know, it be the gender stuff in the show or whatever. I just don't think that, um, they were they were a good long term match. I think that they'll they'll both be fine. Pell's got ten bars of latinum and some experience now. Yeah, maybe they're like maybe she could figure something out. Maybe she you know maybe she goes to the gamma quadrant, sets up shop, does something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Quark will learn no lessons. No, he won't. Um, 
and he'll drown himself in some kind of ale and mm. uh, Dabo girls for a little while, and then he'll be over it. Yeah, go play some Congo. Yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be fine shortly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, people that are not going to learn the lesson and just continue to be sad. Uh, next week's episode is Necessary Evil, and that's the one of the, I think the first episode that we go back in time uh, to when the station was called Terracamore, and uh, we get to see Odo reliving um, a past investigation. Uh, yeah, he, he learns no lessons. Uh, Here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm not bad for working for the Nazis because I was fair when I was working for the Nazis. <laughs> Uh, right like I, I, guess, be, like I guess i mean you can't be mad at me for working for the nazis because i was just doing my, like i was just doing I was my just job doing, i was just following orders and i was just all. and i was doing it like as fairly as i personally could just could see fit you know yeah while i was working for the nazis yeah exactly uh i'm, on the, I'm on sure the nazi, that's how it's going to turn out on like when i was working as a cop at the nazi labor camp where i was <laughs> prosecuting the laborers for things that they did I wasn't being, I wasn't a baddie. No, not a baddie at all. Of course not. Never. <laughs> I was just, a, I was just a Nazi cop. I mean, Gestapo will, you know, if, if you will, like, you know, what yeah. have you, I don't like to use that word. Um, I'm not big on titles. Okay. You know, it's not important. I went to some Gestapo conferences. Um, <laughs> uh, I headlined. I headlined some Gestapo I, conferences. Uh, I picked up. I picked up several bags of swag of Gestapo swag. <laughs> a swag. Gestapo, uh, <laughs> like I, yeah, you know, like it's not. But I was. I'm a good guy. Don't worry. Oh, about for me. sure. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to talk about this episode. Uh, I'm. I'm sure it's going to be a fun one, but. Until then, it's time to release stocking clamps and pilot our tough little ship away from Terracamore. If you want to reach out to us with comments or questions, hit us up on Twitter. Our profile is at Terracamore, or feel free to send us an email at terracamorepod at gmail.com. If you get a chance, uh, give us a five-star rating and a solid review on our podcast. Thank you all for listening. We hope you join us next week when, again, we will be talking about the episode Necessary Evil. Until then, walk with the prophets, child.